Yo, what up, Mace? Yo, what's up, Adam? How's it going? It's good, man. Um, it's good to hear. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great to be back. Um, we're on a good schedule now. We're we're kind of like ripping through these these podcast episodes, which is good. Um, mm. Holding each other accountable. Um, but before we get into our podcast, I want to kind of uh, do our ad read. It's a little bit different than normal, but. You know, I yeah. think, uh, you know, I think it's time for our ad read because we didn't do it at the beginning. So, um, yeah, welcome back to the Assemblage Beverage Podcast. It's Mason and Adam here. And let us tell you about our sponsor. The Assemblage Beverage Podcast, proudly sponsored by Insert Your Company Name Here. If you haven't heard about Insert Your Company Name Here, we're excited to tell you all about them. You know, they've made our lives so much better since we have partnered together. And we hope that you all are able to check them out. Great company. Thanks to Insert Your Company Name Here for sponsoring our podcast. We love you all. If you liked what you, uh, what that, how that sounded, y'all, uh, please reach out to us. Uh, <laughs> just messed it up. I'm sorry. It's so good. I love it. Uh, insert so Your Company Name Here. Come on, reach out to us here at Assemblage Beverage Podcast. And now on to our podcast. Um, yeah, so our sponsorship expired. Uh, so so we're looking for uh, we're looking for a new sponsor. So if anyone's interested in in, uh, in in hooking us up with a sponsorship, we can definitely make a better ad read than that. Um, you know, we we can kind of customize it for your, for whatever your business is, but. You know we're we're unsponsored now. We're we're free. We're free to do what we want. We're free free agents. Yeah, free agents. So, um, you know, be sure to uh, to check us out. But until then, until we find a sponsor, we're we're just gonna keep doing these fucking weird ass unsponsored ad reads just just to keep us in practice. Um, but yeah, until then, I guess uh, we're on to episode thirty six, right, Mason? I believe that's correct. Yeah, so episode 36 of the Assemblage Beverage Podcast, we are talking about the drinks that define Assemblage. So we're basically going to cover, you know, more in depth, some of Mason's favorite cocktails, some of my favorite cocktails, and then some of, or one of our favorite cocktails uh, that we enjoy drinking together. Um, So Mason, you want to jump into kind of your favorite uh, deep dive part of the podcast? Yeah. All right. So... First off, deep dive part of my podcast portion, Pomelo. Um, you've heard about it before or on this podcast once, maybe twice now. Um, it's a spirit coming from Normandy region of France. Specifically, this is the one I'm drinking here tonight. Um, here you can see it nice in the glass if you are watching the video. Mm, beautiful. Um, real quick, Pomelo is a uh, liqueur, an aperitif, and or digestive, either or kind of status, and or dessert kind of item. It is um, apple brandy mixed with apple juice um, to give you this. So um, Calvados is the main spirit made uh, for apple brandy in the uh, region of France of, um, and, um, 
when it's mixed, uh, it is created into a uh, beautiful dessert-like style of a drink. Um, so uh, first off, it was started uh, in 1981, so pretty new style of spirit, which is really, really cool. Um, and that's when it was first became legal in France and then um, didn't uh, receive its AOC nomination until uh, 1986, which is really cool. Um, so still very fresh, like 30, 40 years old only. Um, so it's really kind of coming out of there and it's from, I'm going to butcher this so bad. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, Pei Dagu, um, the cider root, uh, which, re- which unites about 20 of the most renowned, uh, cideries or pomo makers, um, in, uh, Normandy, France, the, 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 the region in which this is made. And it's all central around the town of Camberman, Camberman. Camberber, Camber, Camberim, ah, butchering yeah, it hard. Like I'm very sorry, y'all. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not super French and fluent, and my tongue and mouth is super uh, American when it kind of talks. And I'm very sorry about that. But I yeah. try. I try, and that's what it's all about. But it's really cool, um, as you can see. It's a darker kind of looking spirit because um, you make apple cider, then distill it, and then after it's distilled. Uh, you get your Calvados, and then you mix that Calvados again with the fresh apple juice. It is amazing. It's super good. It's meant for, again, an aperitif before you have your meal or a digestive um, after your meal or can even be paired with desserts. Um, anyways, uh, so how is it made? Um, it is made with a moutage method, so a slow fermentation style. Again, then distilled, of course. Um, and then combined uh, one-third Calvados, two-thirds fresh juice. So as you can tell, um, that leaves a lot of room for sweetness. Um, and then it gives it somewhere between um, uh, 15 and 18% uh, alcohol on average. Of course, it can vary, but that is the, the, the goal, the standard uh, in which they have to go for. Um, how do you drink it? Well, you drink it chilled, uh, normally in a tulip, sherry, or wine glass, as I'm drinking it in a wine glass tonight, um, just to kind of really enjoy it. And then the best pairings that go with it are uh, creamy camembert, cheese, fresh oysters, hearty beef, and then, of course, any sort of apple dessert. Um, As you can tell, it's such a wide variety and range in which you can kind of go with. It's pretty amazing. Um, So... First off, it is amazing um, because it's like the multi-use drink, I think, for anyone in any situation. Um, and it's just absolutely stunning, as long as you like apples. I don't know if you're a big apple fan, Adam, but like I'm in love with apple, apple cider, things like that. Yeah. So when I found this spirit first when at my, my, my fine dining restaurant, Gramercy, that I worked at, I was just blown away i was like oh my gosh why didn't i figure out this or know about this before then of course i was also young and dumb um you know getting there and so yeah and i i've I've never had it before so and i I know like you've talked about on a couple podcasts and like i really need to figure out where i can buy some and try it because like i love apple cider and like that that part so I, i i will say i don't 
I'm not a big cider drinker as far as like alcoholic cider goes. It's just not something I've ever really gotten into, but I do love like apple cider. Um, so like a non-alcoholic apple cider. So I think like I'd love Pomo because I love alcohol and I love apple cider. So it's kind of a good, a good best of both worlds. So yeah, yeah, I definitely want to try it. And I think it'd be kind of a, it sounds like it'd be a good uh, alternative to like a dessert wine too, like where you would maybe instead of drinking a port or a sauterne or something like that, you could kind of replace it with that. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of a mix between like a dessert wine and, and almost like a cocktail in, in a sense, because it's not overly high in ABV, but it's, um, you know, got a lot of flavor and, and you know, it's again, maybe a little bit stronger than a glass of wine, but not as strong as a, as a cocktail. So totally, um, definitely super interested in trying it someday. I think um, the classification of it is considered like fortified wine style yeah. in terms of like what it would be. Um, I don't even think this bottle has it on it right now, but a few of the bottles I've had and interacted with said dessert wine on it, um, which was very interesting for it to be described that way um, because it well, is. With, yeah, go ahead. And with wine, I mean, wine is essentially just fermented fruit juice. It doesn't have to be grapes. It could be, you know, I think of uh, uh, fucking Shit's Creek. The Have you ever seen Shit's Creek? No, I don't think I've had. I think it's on Netflix, but it's a, a a Canadian comedy like sitcom type of show, and they go to this fruit wine place in Canada. I guess is where they're at, and it's called like Herb Englinger's Fruit Wine or something like that. And they they have like you know blueberry wine and raspberry wine and banana wine and all these like weird ass things and they're just like choking it down and then they end up mixing them all together to like create their own merry time of sorts. So, you know, like it doesn't have to be, we just think of wine here in the United States as like it's made out of grapes, but I mean, you could technically make it out of other fruit. Obviously wine is known for being fermented grape juice for a reason, because it's kind of the, the best. I mean, you don't find many like, blueberry wines that are not like overly sweet because it's just it, people don't make wine out of blueberries you know they're also a lot smaller than grapes too so you need a lot more to produce any any volume so yeah you know you can make it out of any fruit it's just grapes are typically a, a fruit of choice yeah i wonder if there would be a, a way to like create a hybrid or of some sorts because you know that's basically what you did with grapes um, is you created different styles and hybrids and mm -hmm. you perfected a beautiful stylistic that you really, really loved. Like, I wonder if like the Romans when, or the, um, uh, Spartans, when they were creating wine, if it really was that good, or if it really was more sweet or anything like that, you probably know, not. It's it, I know dark shit. most yeah. of it, but maybe yeah, not, yeah. honestly, maybe yeah. like the yeah. hot, top tier. That's why some of the top tier places are the top tier places, you know? But who knows? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, and I, you could like create a different varietal of blueberries that are that are superior for making blueberry wine. Yeah. <laughs> Think about it. Like you go maybe, off in any tangent. Yeah, maybe we just maybe we just found our million dollar idea. We're gonna be Assemblage Beverage Podcast sponsored by Assemblage Blueberry Wine. Now available <laughs> nowhere because uh, it's disgusting. Uh, but, you know, like who knows. Maybe that's maybe that's a niche that we need to dive into and actually make like 
good fruit wine. That could be fun. Yeah. Who or knows? Disaster, one or, uh, if anybody's got a couple million dollars they want to invest in that, yeah, let us know. Yeah. yeah. If anyone's got a blueberry patch in Michigan or Georgia or something that we could uh, make blueberry wine, just let us know. But you, uh, you also need to be a, a master at like agriculture and be able to like clone and, and you know, graft blueberry branch or blueberry bushes to make different blueberries. Yeah, you'd have to go to all different parts of the sure. world and, you know, yeah. grab Source pieces and vines and just... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. come back in with, with a blueberry bush from, you know, France and stuff. God. Who Something knows? Nightmare. Uh. <laughs> Something to think about, though. Yeah. All right. So, you know, that is Pomo, though, on that side tangent. Um, pretty simplistic. Uh, amazing. It is definitely one of my favorite spirits um in itself or liqueur in itself um next of course all of y'all know my favorite drink and that is the boulevardier just simplistic you know campari sweet vermouth and bourbon uh that is a third a third a third that is the best way to make the drink uh i know a lot of people try to do different variations different styles and of course, they use you know different bourbons, different or like our um, uh, rye bourbons or things like that to really kind of change up the flavor. And then you know you different different variations of Campari or Campari like liqueurs, um, and then of course all the different types of sweet vermouths that you can possibly get. There's so many, mm-hmm. um, but as long as you're keeping that third, 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 you have that perfect Boulevardier. And I think, honestly, if you're switching out with any higher-end product, better and better and better, you can you can almost do no wrong until you get yeah. to the too good to mix products, of course. Anyways, um, the Boulevardier uh, was invented in Paris in the early 20s uh, by American journalist Erkstein Gouin. Um, and we know this because it was first uh, recorded in the the uh, 1927 Book of Barfly and Cocktails by Harry McClone. Uh, and hopefully I didn't butcher any of those names too bad or Macellan. Um, you know, I definitely am not very good at some names and that's an unfortunate part of myself. Uh, you know, they just, again, my American jaw just like vomits the random words that they should be really easily said, but you know, I just mess it up here and there, but that's okay. Anyways. Um, <laughs> and then we blame, we blame the other uh, languages for being like too, too tricky. Yeah, that's exactly. Like, I do that shit all the time. And I'm like, God damn it. I'm such a fucking shitty American. Cause you're just like, well, if it were easier to say, like we would just say it like so ignorant, but it, I mean, it's true. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But anyways, it's just a super, you know, delicious style. And I think yeah, the best way to serve it is um, on a rock. I think the most classic way is up, but the best way to serve it personally is on a rock. And then, of course, with a twist, an orange twist. Yeah. Yeah. But, I I need to start trying to drink more Boulevardiers. I bought a bottle of bourbon a couple weeks ago and... 
I just, I've like taken a little bit out of it, but I, I, I'm so used to drinking rum, which I'll talk about in a little bit, but it's, I don't know, I just, I have a hard time getting into bourbon. Yeah. It's just not something I drink a whole lot of. So I'm I think trying. bourbon is a very required taste or acquired taste. Yeah. Um, something that you just like, once you get over, I think the burn or the, that kind of hotness that you feel uh, when spicy. drinking it. The spicy. The spicy. The spicy. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> whenever, I think once you get over that and figure out how to like really enjoy it after that, um, I yeah. think bourbon really opens up into this really vast and open field of just like craziness because there are so many different variations and types and things like that and changing just like any other kind of wine or spirit or drink of any kind, you change the percentage of grains just by 1%, you can yeah. alter the whole outcome crazily. Or changing one type of grain for another type of grain just like that, and it's all over in a whole different type of spirit completely. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so kind of my, my favorites... Um, you know, I'm, I'm drinking one of my other favorites, but I'm not going to talk about it tonight because I kind of touched on it last podcast or two podcasts ago, maybe three podcasts ago. I'm drinking Miller High Life tonight, but I'm not talking about that tonight. So I'm talking about the other champagne, uh, not the champagne of beer, but actual champagne coming from Champagne, France. Um, so champagne is essentially, I mean, champagne is sparkling wine couple things that kind of make champagne so special is one, it has to be made, produced, aged, bottled, shipped out of Champagne, France. Everything has to happen there. Um, you know, there's, that's one aspect of it. And the other aspect is the secondary fermentation happening in the bottle. Um, so what that means is essentially it goes under uh, a primary fermentation, which is essentially what creates most of the alcohol, which is the fermentation style that every wine goes through. So you're essentially converting um, <clears throat> the sugar in the grapes using yeast to create alcohol and heat. Um, once that initial base wine is made, they essentially will put it into your standard champagne bottle and then they'll add in sugar and more yeast, they'll put on like a, essentially like a beer cap, essentially like a crown cap, and then they'll let that yeast and sugar ferment to create a little bit more alcohol, maybe like a half or 1% more alcohol. But the main reason for that yeast and sugar is to create the bubbles of champagne. Um, there's other ways of making sparkling wine, like you could put the wine into a tank and you can add... Um, just straight CO2, like you'd be making soda or, or beer or something like that. Um, or you could kind of do the same type of fermentation, aka adding yeast and sugar into a vat of wine and producing the carbonation that way. Um, but the thing that makes champagne so special and so exclusive and so um, expensive is the fact that you're, you know, doing individual science projects in every single bottle. So no bottle of champagne is the same as the next. I mean, they can be pretty damn close, but you know, each bottle is undergoing its same, its own 
science experiment, which makes it so special. Um, <clears throat> while it's such a special thing and it, and it can be very expensive, I think that champagne for a long time and, and just even take champagne out of it, just sparkling wine in general. Like even when I was younger and, and all that, like I was always under the impression of like, you only drink sparkling wine on New Year's and when you're celebrating like a new job or something special happened, right? Probably same for you, Mason. Yeah, definitely. But no. I, I hate that. Me too. Like, it, it drives me crazy. Like when, you know, I'll open a bottle of champagne, I'm like, oh, what are we celebrating? Like there, there doesn't have to be anything to celebrate. Celebrating the bottle. <laughs> yeah, we're celebrating the bottle. Like maybe I had a bad day at work. Maybe I had a good day at work. Like it's just a wine, another beverage. And it doesn't have to be anything like a grower champagne or a Grand Cru champagne or, you know, Dom Perignon or Cristal. Like it doesn't have to be a, a super high end bottle to be able to enjoy. It could just be a simple bottle of Prosecco that costs you 15 bucks. Um, you know, I think that sparkling wine, it, it's such a, it brightens your mood, even if you're not celebrating anything, like hearing that cork or blasting it off and making a big noise. And then just like having those bubbles in your glass, like it instantly, like, I know it puts a smile on my face and I'm sure it does for a lot of people. So like, why wouldn't you do that more often when, even when you, yeah, exactly. Mason's smiling, just thinking about it. I know, and right. Yeah. To hear the cork. He just had to think about a bottle of champagne opening and his, yeah. his face fucking yeah. lit up like a like kid on Christmas. Gosh, and, uh, I love champagne. It's so good. I know. I know. I do too. So, um, you know, it's, it's really the perfect all around wine. It also pairs with so many things too. So if you're really not, if you're making kind of a, a multi-course dinner, maybe you've got a salad and you've got a chicken and you've got a pro uh, a starch and a vegetable, like champagne just pairs so well with like so many different things. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, um, like as far as making the wine pairing, you know, you don't have to worry about, Oh, I'm going to do a white wine with this course. And I'm going to do a, a red wine with this course, like champagne kind of encompasses everything. Uh, Cause it's such high acidity, the bubbles, it's very bright, refreshing and fun. So, um, and even if it doesn't pair that well necessarily with the dish itself, like you're still drinking sparkling wine and champagne. Like you've still got that smile. Yeah. And again, it doesn't, there's a lot of great bottles out there that don't have to break the bank. You know, there's a lot of great champagne out there that's really expensive and maybe those are your special occasion wines, but drink Prosecco. Like there's some really great Cava out there now that, you know, it's, it's vintage Cava and, and very, like Cava is made in the same style as Champagne. It's just made in, in Spain and they're a fraction of the cost. Like you can get a really high quality bottle of Cava for say 20, 25 bucks and you're going to be drinking really high quality wine. So um, I think that that's kind of, you know, drink more sparkling wine. That's all I need to say. Cheers to that. Drink Cheers more sparkling to that, yeah. Um, as someone who's drinking beer tonight, you know, drink more sparkling wine. <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking Pomo, so. Yeah. Um, well, at least you're drinking what you're talking about. I'm like <laughs> throwing a curveball to myself. Um, hey, that's okay. So my next beverage is going to be Vintage Rum. Um, so Vintage Rum essentially, um, well, rum in general uh, is essentially, or vi yeah, I'm fucking mixing myself up. 
have two beers and I'm like already. <laughs> You're already um, getting a little. I'm, all, I'm, I'm flustered. Uh, I'm rattled over here. <laughs> um, so what is vintage rum? Rum that so vintage rum is essentially rum that comes from a specific harvest or a production year. So just like vintage wine or vintage champagne, the sugar cane is harvested from that specific year. Um, how rum is made. So rum is basically a spirit that's made from sugarcane molasses or sugarcane juice that is fermented and distilled. So very similar to Pomo, but instead of fermenting and distilling apples, you're fermenting and distilling sugarcane juice. Um, and then from there, uh, you basically get a sugarcane distillate. And then you can basically put it in stainless steel for it to age, and that would be like a white rum or an un unaged rum. Or you can put it in a different style of cask. So maybe you want to put it in a port cask or a bourbon cask or a wine cask or a scotch cask. Um, you know, you can kind of, depending on the style of rum that you want to make, you can kind of put it in different barrels to change that finished flavor. Um, I love, I don't love bourbon, but I love bourbon barrel aged rum because it gives you kind of that same flavor profile with the... Um, smoky a little bit of smokiness a little bit of that like whiskey taste but slightly just a little bit more sweetness um which is coming from that sugar cane juice there's a lot of crappy rum out there where you know you look at like i'm not even gonna say brands um because we're trying to get sponsored here so but there's a lot of really inexpensive rums out there that are sweeter and they they're just not well made they're made very cheaply um i love plantation rum i think that it's it's pretty affordable 50 60 dollars for a really great bottle of vintage rum i've got a, a bottle of exo cask and then i've got a 2000 2008 from panama um and it's really cool because a lot of them will do origin so where that sugar cane is coming from um Super so cool. like yeah yeah and it's again for uh, a spirit of that quality and you're only spending 50 or 60 dollars a bottle that's pretty inexpensive because again unlike a bottle of wine a bottle of liquor can last you years you know it doesn't go bad and you know you're not gonna sit around and polish off a whole bottle of liquor nor you know if you're us um that's all i'll say about that but drinking a whole bottle of wine with a friend is, you know, maybe an easier task to achieve than a whole bottle of liquor. So again, we're normal people, but we're, we're people who don't drink whole bottles of, of alcohol. I, I need to watch, I need to watch how I speak, but um, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> yeah, I'm rattled. Yeah. Um, it's sad. I'm that's, that's how I know I'm getting old. Like, and it's, it's only hit me recently. Like I could drink quite a bit before and I'd be completely fine. And now I'm like two beers. And you're already feeling it. Three glass of wine. I'm like, oh, man. Have I'm, my like, and I'm not drunk. I'm just like, I'm rattled. Like, I'm just like, you little, maybe little dumbfounded. Like, yeah, I'm well. like dumbfounded. Like, how could I already be feeling this way? It's, it's bad. It's not telling me. You joke. Yeah, it's my body telling me to slow down. Maybe <laughs> it's it's your body saying I need a little water. It's time. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, and and this this podcast will be released after our podcast with Line Cook Thoughts, so I can I can say it. But to touch on that podcast, like Ray, who's the the host of Line Cook Thoughts, we were talking about beverage and stuff. And he's like, "Yeah, I maybe have one drink a week." And Mason and I were like, "Damn, one drink Like, what's that like? <laughs> Uh, wondering good like, night. I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I couldn't. And not that like I might have one or two drinks a night, like nothing crazy. But like I, I enjoy a beverage at the end of the day after a long work day. Like I like to enjoy a beer, or a glass of wine, or something. You know what they say: a glass of wine preserves you for life. Yeah, but I'm like, what do you? How? Why? But you know. That's that's how you stay healthy and you know be a better person. You just don't drink, whatever. It's, it's overrated. Am I a bad or you a bad person? I don't think so. I think we're great people. No, no, so no. I don't know. I think it, to each is their. Yeah, exactly. So how to best serve vintage rum? Um, I like drinking it neat, just in a glass. Um, I also love just serving it over a big cube um, or some small cubes if you don't have a, a big ice cube. Um, I also kind of like to treat it like it's bourbon. So replacing it for the whiskey in an old fashioned, I think it could make a really cool Boulevardier riff with vintage rum instead of bourbon. That sounds um, interesting. I'm down. Never tried it. So it might be not good at all, but I think it could be kind of a cool riff on a, on a Boulevardier. So those are kind of my two favorites. Um, Mason, what's kind of our our combined favorite. And I feel like it's only our combined favorite because we've had it together one time. Yeah. Uh, even though we lived together for a long time, like, I don't know. I, I feel like we've kind of touched on this and I, I feel like this is a good place to kind of push this drink into its prime time on the yeah. podcast. Um, so as y'all know, the espresso martini that is the next drink that is our drink of choice together you know of course there are so many different things that we could have chosen but i think we both agreed upon the espresso martini being such a great cocktail that you could enjoy it whenever however wherever and it just Mm -hmm. being delicious um So what makes a perfect espresso martini? Well, first off, that's up to every person. You know, me, you, everyone else, y'all think something completely different. Um, One of the things for me is, honestly, it has to have a touch of sweetness. Like, that's how a perfect espresso martini is made. And then Mm -hmm. also, once it's well shaken, it has a beautiful crema from that espresso shot as well. Like, I think those two qualities right there being being super super important um because to me the best espresso martini tastes sweet and espresso and i know that's kind of like lame to kind of say but like you know it should be like uh i'm sipping uh, a perfectly pulled espresso shot out of a martini glass and getting a little a little tipsy with it you know what i'm saying yeah yeah and for me like it's all about viscosity like i want to have a creamy espresso martini. Like I don't want to be drinking some watery ass espresso martini. Like I don't want to feel like I'm drinking an actual martini. Yeah. Like I want it to be 
you know, the, the right amount of vodka. I wanted to have, you know, obviously an intense coffee espresso flavor. And I want it to have like a cream component, whether it's heavy cream or I would rather use like a Bailey's or, um, you know, Bamboo makes a, a rum cream, which would be nice in it. You know, you could do uh, Kahlua, which has some viscosity to it. I know it's not really creamy, but it has a little bit, a little bit of viscosity to it. So kind of having, you know, that, that viscosity and not like a watery espresso martini, which just sounds like. Yes. Um, and, and to your point, like I want it to be slightly sweet, but not too sweet. I don't want it to be like I'm drinking like simple syrup. Right. I want it to be sweet, but a little bit bitter, a little bit coffee. You know, I just want it to be really balanced um, and not too like alcoholic. I don't really want to feel like I'm drinking like uh, a, a martini, essentially. Like I don't want it to feel like I'm drinking like a gin or a vodka martini. Yeah, it should be so, a little bit more heartening and and like either having it after dinner or you know as we were kind of discussing before you know honestly maybe even the brunch cocktail of choice you know this might be the undiscovered fire shot to get you ready for the dip for the day you know what i'm saying yeah watch out watch out uh bloody mary watch out mimosa you're getting topped Dun, dun, dun. Ah! <laughs> All right. So, so Mason, how, how did it start? How did the espresso martini come to life? So how did it start? Well, Dick Bradsell was the uh, bartender who is credited for creating the espresso martini. This was in uh, the 1980s, um, and it was at the Soho Club. Um, and it's simplistic with coffee liqueur, uh vodka um and am i missing something that he listed on those two things no coffee vodka and coffee liqueur those are the three things that he added uh that he created it with it um and then as y'all may know um a traditional exceptional standard whatever you want to call it espresso martini is always topped with three beans well why three espresso beans well the reason is it it's rep- to represent health, wealth, and happiness. It's supposed to be like a good luck garnish for every time you um, create an espresso martini to really enjoy it and really send you out into that world, I guess. Yeah, because it's nothing like, you know, adding an upper and a downer at the end of the night. You know? Or at the beginning of the day. Yeah, at the beginning of the day, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's electric though yeah it, it it honestly might be the best breakfast brunch cocktail you know that's the next one i'm gonna order next time i go to brunch yeah well yeah i don't really ever go to brunch but that yeah that i don't either gotta be on but that. vacation be vacation mode espresso yeah. martinis or maybe on saturday like this saturday just at home making espresso martini yeah if i was off hmm. yeah. on my yeah. on my day off yeah, next next week. Next week, but why don't you uh, top us off on some variation types of espresso martinis that somebody can or cannot order? Yeah, so espresso martinis, like I've I've seen, and I know, like we both kind of said this at the same time yesterday. Like you brought it up, I was like, "Fuck, I've seen that so many times." 
So there's there's a viral like TikTok social media trend of uh, uh, an espresso martini where they shave Parmesan cheese on top of, which honestly sounds fucking amazing. Like, yeah, I love Parmesan cheese, love espresso martinis. Why not? You know, it's it's just like so decadent, so rich, salty, and it sweet. kind of cuts. Mm-hmm cuts the sweetness of the espresso martini and then it kind of cuts the saltiness of the cheese. Never tried it. Um, but I think that might have to be like something that we do a video of. Yeah. I know we, we always say that we never fucking do these videos, but we're getting, um, yeah, we're, we're getting there. We're busy. We're walking. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm walking. Yeah. I'm walking. Um, I also had one, Liv and I were on vacation in Chicago back in January and uh, we went to this bar called After in Chicago and it's uh, basically Curtis Duffy who is the executive chef of Ever. He opened a high-end cocktail bar called After um, which is a really beautiful bar and if you know the name but you don't know Ever, he used to be the chef of Grace in Chicago which closed a couple years ago and he recently opened a new restaurant. Um, so they have a 24 karat gold espresso martini, which was $28 or something like that. Like I only just, I had one cause I'm like, it, we went there as a nightcap after some comedy shows and stuff. So I was like, I think that's going to be my nightcap is one uh, again, only one cause it's $28 and also <laughs> like I needed to go home and go to sleep. So, oh, um, you're pissing gold. So it was, it was good. Like, it was a really good espresso martini. I think the gold, you know, gold doesn't taste like anything. So. It was just for sure. Really, yeah, and you really couldn't see it. Because so, it's so dark. Yeah, it was so dark. And then, like, an espresso martini is, like, brown. So it's, like, yeah, you really can't see the gold. But whatever. I fell for it. I'm in. <laughs> whatever. Um, I'm sure it was think, pretty pretty under the flashlight. Yeah, probably. Probably, yeah. Yeah. We had we had already had some drinks, so I really wasn't taking photos of anything. I was just like there to drink the espresso martini. <laughs> um, I think you could also do like a nice chocolate espresso martini, so kind of more of like a mocha. Yeah. Um I, I'm a big mocha guy. Um I either drink like black coffee or black, you know, just normal espresso, or occasionally like my treat day yeah. is a mocha because I like that coffee aspect to it. Uh, so I think adding like a coffee liqueur or a, not a coffee liqueur, a chocolate liqueur to an espresso martini could be really good. Um, and then maybe just making a, a more boozy espresso martini. So skip the coffee, skip the espresso and just do an espresso liqueur or a coffee liqueur. And then, you know, Bailey's or some sort of cream liqueur and vodka. And maybe if you if you've got some time, infuse the vodka with coffee. So grind coffee and have it steep in vodka for a little bit, and then strain it off through yeah. like a coffee filter, so you don't get any chunks of coffee grounds in your espresso martini because that would be disgusting. Yeah. Um, but just having like a straight booze espresso martini could be could be the move. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's a nighttime espresso martini, and then like the softer like espresso heavy cream and vodka could be more of a breakfast i agree that a little lighter style yeah and then just thinking about it now that we've chatted a little bit about it honestly i feel like an espresso martini is just like coffee like 
in terms of like what variations you have mm -hmm. the like possibilities are endless just swap out one ingredient with another like i'm thinking in my head my my head's kind of firing off like lavender espresso martini or or like orange cream espresso yeah. martini you know all these fun different flavor profiles that i think are all very plausible and possible yeah that could rock anybody's world if you have a nice balance yeah you could add like some amaretto into it or Ooh, you yeah kind of go like so many different routes it could be a very versatile like style of cocktail oh, so now i want one damn i know and i'm out of my palm oil y'all now i'm out of my i'm out of my beer so <laughs> and i didn't bring water again i know i do it every time yeah all right so wrapping this up question yeah. of the day y'all what is your perfect espresso martini recipe and put it below we want to yeah. know your favorites all the amazingness um what is it more balanced on that vodka side if you're kind of more boozy flavor you want more yeah. of that espresso flavor you let us know slap it tap it put it in there comment down below you know it Mason's fucking fired up and ready to rock. Yeah, I want to know your recipes. I want to make them for me, myself, yeah. and my and I, my wife, and her, herself, and them. Whatever all the verbiage that you want to say. You want to rock it, roll it, and then when Adam and Olivia come over, we hang out and we make more of them. Just like that. Holy shit. <laughs> Goddamn. That was, that was way more energy than I was expecting. Yeah. That question of the, that's probably the most energetic question of the day that I've ever heard. I was Kudos ready. To you, Mason. Thank you. Yeah. yeah Peace out. That was. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. We're not there yet. Almost. <laughs> Keep on blending. All right. See you guys. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, gosh. We're, we're, we're ending on that straight electric energy and, and we're done. That espresso we're martini. Oh, fire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, before we go, um, <sighs> I think it's only right to kind of give uh, another huge shout out to our gracious sponsor insert your name here for sponsoring this episode of the assemblage beverage podcast i'm mason and i'm adam and make sure you keep, keep on, on blending, blending. <laughs> woo y'all yeah Oof. anyway and make sure you smash that mfing subscribe button yeah, I better, I better <sighs> break your break your keyboard smashing that subscribe button let's go Come on, share us with all your friends. You know it. Blast yeah, us out yeah. into that world. We're ready. We need them sponsors. We need your love. We want you all. Let's hear it. Masons. Fired up. Look, I feel like we're back in college, Mason. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Soon yeah, enough. That's, yeah, that's what happens when you turn. You're in your mid to late 20s and you've had it two glasses of pomo and two beers you just lose your shit you're ready to go <sighs> well it'll be a couple weeks before we record again um i'm off for a work trip next week so we're kind of stocking up on some episodes so this will be out i don't know i'm fucking so confused about our podcast schedule right now but we're we're getting back on track we're almost gonna there be a podcast out Sunday before this podcast released, you know, and this podcast will be released, released next week. I don't fucking know, but we're back on track to, to hit our goal of how many? 26 podcasts. 26. Yeah. Now we just so, need two sponsors. 
I'll take one sponsor. I'm working for two. Come on, y'all. Sponsors, all right, yeah. We could have we could have like a beginning sponsor and then like a midway a midway through sponsor. Or like, it could be at the end of the year. All right. Just need We're, two for the take, year. Yeah, let's take a quick break. Now on to our sponsor. <laughs> all right, Mason. All right, y'all. Well, we appreciate Adam. you guys listening. We love you guys. Peace. Peace.